Welcome to Coach to Scale, how modern leaders build coaching cultures. I'm your host, Matt Benelli. Join me as we build a community of like-minded professionals who share the belief that effective coaching improves the performance of every team member. Our mission is to help leaders become better coaches. The Coach to Scale podcast is sponsored by Coachem, the world's first AI coaching execution platform that leverages evidence-based coaching to increase quota attainment. And with that, let's get started. All right, I'm excited to have this conversation with today's guest. As you'll see, he's a true believer in investing in people to help them master their craft and achieve the highest levels of success possible. He spent his entire career in technology and in the B2B SaaS arena as an operator in numerous go-to-market roles. He's currently the Chief Operating Officer at Team Snap, Brian Caulfield. Welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Pleasure to be here. Uh, all right. So this podcast is named Coach to Scale. Our mission is to build a community of like-minded professionals who share the belief that the coaching and developing of people is key to the growth and success of the individual, the team, the company, and the business as a whole. We'll invite guests who share that belief and who are willing to share their point of view, experiences, lessons learned along the way. With that, let me toss a question over to you, Brian, about coaching. Okay. Simply stated, why is coaching so important to the success of the company? You know, Matt, there's really two reasons, I think, when it, when it comes down to it, and they're very closely related to each other. You know, early lesson I learned in my career was the biggest hurdle to hitting objectives, whether it's a releasing product or it's hitting a quota, is attrition, right? If you don't have butts in seats, as they said, it's really hard to, to win, right? Um, and it doesn't matter, right? Sales, marketing, engineering, if you don't have good people, you're not going to hit your goal, right? And second, really, was kind of based on my experience in, in different leadership roles over know, almost 28 years now, I think. Right? Believe that. Um, 20. Yeah, scary, right? Um, but I found that employees fall into three buckets, right? You know, and it's quite simple. There's an A player, B player, and a C player. And again, across any role, it's fairly easy to identify them, right? The, the A players are the rock stars, right? In sales, we call them the Eagles. You know, really coaching for them, mm -hmm. right, is about sometimes it's as simple as removing roadblocks, removing frustrations, looking the other way because they're doing it not quite as you would want them to. But the end result is they're just good at what they do and they deliver great results all the time. Hardest thing is finding them, right? You know, they're really, it's really hard to, to find them and, and keep them, right? Probably hard to find them, but ways to keep them, right? On the other end is the C players, right? And, you know, the C players are, you know, again, they're pretty easy to identify. They're all talk, no action. Lots of excuses, finger pointing, right? Any leader can really, in my opinion, we can identify and move those employees out as soon as possible. That's, you know, interviewing is not a perfect art or science. You make mistakes. You have to acknowledge it quickly. And it's usually better for everybody when you part ways. It's the B player that I think coaching is so critical for, right? You know, and that's where um, 
you know, the, the B player is the bulk of my employee base, right? You know, in, in a lot of ways, right? And the goal is how do you turn them into an A player or the, you know, the closest thing to an A player they can be, right? Through effective coaching. Um, you know, I, I look for things like curiosity, um, competitiveness, work ethic. Uh, they can work, work well with others, right? Those are the people who are like, you know what? Let's invest in this person because they've got the core right uh, uh personality traits and behavioral traits that they can be a successful productive member of your team right you just got to invest in them right you got to coach them you got to develop them right in in my sales career it was you know you obviously you know i'm a big believer in sandler sales methodology right it mm-hmm. was yes. it, it gave a great great foundation for anybody breaking into sales you know it was humbling to learn that you know it wasn't just art. There was some science and technique to selling, right? And if you could learn it, practice it, use it, right? Your your odds are you were going to make their people your people better, right? I would say, um, you know, the other pieces are giving people um, tools, right? Um, we're very prescriptive with sales books. We give sales playbooks, right? We give lots of content. We drive campaigns and programs. You know, we have you know, training. I I invest heavily in sales enablement roles, right? As much as a sales manager, having somebody to train and coach and develop, you know, the team uh, on a regular basis, right? How one helps develop that employee, right? Internet player, but it also goes a long way of just retaining, right? You know, if they feel invested in, if they feel they're learning something every day, you know, they're going to stay with you, right? And you just continue to improve them and make them better. And hopefully you can have a lower attrition, right? When, and help me hit my goals for the company. So if I'm paraphrasing your, your great response, it's uh, the, the two things, you know, one begets the other. So if you find out how, uh, who your eagles are, how to coach them, let them fly, and then um, you know, provide a little bit of direction and process to that. But then also find out, you know, that bulk of the organization, that movable middle, who are the folks that are competitive, that, um, that are coachable, right? And invest yep. in them and help move them up to the right. That's going to lead the, uh, the organization to success. So with that said, is, that a, is, is coaching, um, is this a top-down um, effect or does the uh, does the impact and effect flow bottom up in your in your opinion i think you need both right um you know if you don't have a if if you don't have a a leadership team that believes in coaching right um and isn't willing to make the investments right you know spend a couple hundred thousand dollars a year for training programs for coaching programs and tools you know then you're not gonna you're not gonna have the ability to be for it to be a bottoms up approach but Coaching doesn't work unless they want to be coached, right? You know, if they, if they don't embrace it, if they don't use it, you know, if they don't, if it's not reinforced, right? So if you don't, if you don't find the right people that want, will embrace the coaching, right, and want to get better, you know, again, those are the ones that typically fall off and evolve yeah. to a C player. And you know, what do you do? But I always say to my team, like, I can give you the framework. You know, the, this generation is eager for rapid career advancement, rapid financial improvement, right? And I say this, you can't, just because you want to get experience faster doesn't mean experience is going to come to you faster. It still takes time, Yeah. right? And and so 
you know, you have to show them a path and make those investments uh, for them to, you know, to be successful, but they're also going to want it. If they don't want it, right, you can give them a development plan, you can give them a career path, you can tell them what it's going to take. I guarantee in six months, you haven't heard from that rep once, right? It just It's just yeah. not in them as a person. And in your opinion, where do, where do leaders, where do companies get this wrong, this whole approach to, to coaching? I, I think sometimes it's just a financial decision, right? Yeah, you know, some of the, mm. I've, been, I've been lucky, I think, in my career. I've always been in companies that believed in it and leadership teams that believed in developing their employees. And it's actually one of the things I look at the most when I've considered a, a move, right, is, you know, right now my company is owned by a private equity firm and, you know, I, I interviewed them as much as they interviewed me about, you know, their willingness to invest in my model, right, because my model requires, you know, to be successful, some investments are made and we're going to spend some money on trainers, we're going to spend some money on managers, we're going to have the right tools and software. Um, you know, and so if, if the ownership, the leadership doesn't believe in it, there's no sense in me going because my model is not going to work without the right investments. And I, you know, you're purposeful about that. You know, maybe that was in, you know, ingrained in you from day one. My, I suspect that is something that evolved over time. Would that be a fair statement? Fair statement. Yeah, I think. The light bulbs went on when I was with you in our Oracle days, right? Early on, right? It was um, the one thing I realized Oracle invested so much in training us, right? It's like almost probably to a fault because I think I went through every major sales training methodology in the course of my, you know, five years there, right? Yeah. Uh, but the one that stuck was Sandler because of the reinforcement, right? It was just constantly reinforced, it was embedded in everything that we did. And uh, to me, I took Sandler with me on the rest of my career journey, right? Because I saw how it addressed the biggest challenge was attrition, right? You know, it, it, it did a great job of developing people, making them feel invested in. And um, each time I, I, I moved to a different com company, I, you know, I probably became better and more passionate about the importance of coaching and training and development. You know, and again, it becomes now part of my terms, right? Of like, if I'm going to leave and go join a new company, which I don't do that often. Um, you know, my last company I was with, with for 10 years, right? But when I'm, I'm going to go, I want to, I need to be successful. So the terms are, here's, here's what you're going to have to do if you want me to come help build your sales organization or your revenue operations or whatever it might be, because I've made a lot of mistakes and I know it doesn't work, you know? Well, you talked about uh, the investment that the company at this point, uh, this was Oracle way back when, made in you and you took it with you for you know the last uh, 20 plus years. Are you seeing more people come in, uh, uh, you know, people earlier in their career that are asking, you know, what are you, what is the company going to do in terms of helping me become uh, a better salesperson or whatever role that you're interviewing for? Like, how, how's the company going to invest in me? I'm going to give you everything I got, but almost like, how are you going to help me grow? Are you seeing that? Sometimes, but most of the time when somebody is doing that, it's a very selfish ask, in my opinion, right? And, and it's transparent that 
it's like, you know, it's almost a red flag, right? To me, like this person's going to be restless in six months. And, you know, the first recruiter calls them and offers them a couple thousand dollars more in base, they're going to, they're going to jump. Right. And so hmm. it's when it's genuine, yes. Right. And, and I think it just comes down to, you know, the traits that this person, you know, portrays. One of my favorite interview questions, right. To help filter through it is tell me about your first job. Right. And, you know, most of the time somebody will, will start talking about their first job out of college. Right. And uh, when I hear somebody talk, starts talking to me about their first paper route, right. Or they worked in a, a fast food chain, right. Uh, you know, they were, were mowed lawns around the neighborhood. Right. To me, that shows, you know, somebody who is willing to put in the work, right. To get good, to be successful. Right. And when they are asking me then, you know, what are you guys going to do? How do you develop me? It comes from a point of being humble and saying, I don't, I don't, I'm not good. I'm applying and I, I don't know this craft, but if you teach me, I'm going to do everything I can to be the best. So, so it's like anything else in, in this profession. It's, it's uh, a lot of it's how you ask the question and how you come across when asking that question. Yeah. If you're on the, if you're, you're the, you're being interviewed. Um, so exactly. You you, t you you touched on a few things about you know, kind of where companies may not invest or you know get it wrong or however you want to phrase it. One of them is a financial decision, but you touched on something else. One is that it's coaching's the long game, right? It's not it it's not immediate. You don't see the types of revenue results that the C the C suite or the board wants to see. So because it's the long game. And with all the pressures on leaders today, why is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah, so it's all, it all comes right to a simple ROI question, right? What's the return on inv that investment, right? An employee is, a, is probably the most critical investment we make, right? It's the highest, you know, line item on the balance sheet, right? And, you know, you want to hire really good people that are going to, be with you for, uh, it's hard to say, you know, you're going to somebody to be with you for 10 years or spend their career. That really doesn't happen much anymore. Right. But mm -hmm. my view is if I can get somebody for three to five years, right. Um, you know, that is a, that's a good tenure, right. And then good return on investment for us hiring, training and developing them. Right. And that's not easy to do. Right. If you look at most resumes, you know, coming across now, it, you know, it's the big red flag come short to you and to me, right, is, you know, somebody who's jumped every year or two, you know, uh, you can do it once or twice. But after that, it's like, I'm not even going to call you in for an interview if you've got that many jobs and you're 30 years old, right? So, you know, it is a win-win, right, hopefully for the employee, right? You know, like, they want to stay, they want to get experience, they're increasing their market value, you know, and they do become more attractive to you know, the next employer, when you've shown longevity, when you've shown career progression, you've gone from being in a, you know, entry level job to now you're a manager or director and you have bigger responsibilities and you've been promoted multiple times within that company. To me, that's the sign of a strong employee. I want to, I want to get on my team, right? Not right. the person who's just been yeah. jumping every year. Right. And you talked about, you just mentioned it, uh, which is a great segue to the next question. 
you talk, you mentioned win-win and in the past you've uh, said to me that coaching really need in order for that investment of time and energy and resources and capital to be worth it on both sides co- the coaching needs to be win-win can you expand on yeah. that just a little bit more yeah i mean so there's this selfish side of it right which is i need them to be better to hit my number right and um I need them to be more effective, right? Um, and to hit my number. But at the end of the day, if if they're not getting personal growth out of it as well, right? If they're not feeling like they're learning a skill, right? They're, if they're not getting better, if they're not opening up their future potentials, right? They don't embrace it, right? So we don't just do sales training. Right. We don't just do Sandler. Right. You know, we put together a training curriculum that will look at how do we help some people with time management. Right. You know, how do we you know, how do we help you with communication, writing skills. Right. You know, sometimes it might be how do you advance Excel, you know, courses. Right. You know, for the right. You know, we we also give all of our employees get an educational stipend. We encourage them to use for outside of. Team Snap, right? You know, go take a leadership course at their local college, right? Or, or we we want them to also drive and get skills, professional skills that aren't just self-serving for our objective, right? Which is we gotta we gotta hit our revenue targets, right? If if we don't throw in and then help develop them as the whole person, you know, anybody's gonna gonna give you sales training, right? We gotta we gotta offer more. So, an interesting, you just made me think of something. So, it sounds like um, the company, uh, and if, if Team Snap doesn't do it, uh, you, know, so, you know, some companies do do it that you've worked in in the past, where they provide some sort of investment or stipend for the individuals to go out and get uh, some some education uh, to take a, a take a class, whether it's advanced Excel or leadership or improving in some area. Uh, as a as a leader, do you look at that when interviewing someone for promotion within the organization? You know how have they inve- you know taken whatever was available to them to in- further invest in themselves? Absolutely, right. And it's like. If they're not investing in themselves, I always say, why am I investing in you? Right. You know, <laughs> if that's the challenge, right. It's like, it's, they've got to want it for themselves. They've got to have that personal drive, right. They've got to have the desire to, to do more, to take on more and then build their skill set as we help build their skill set. Right. Um, you know, we don't, it's, it's hard. Some companies, you know, it, it's an unfortunate financial reality, right? Like when, when I got my master's degree years and years ago, the company I worked for paid for 70% of it, right? And I did it at nights and weekends and it was a hard three years, right? But it, it was very expensive for me the way it worked out. They were a very profitable company, uh, you know, at the time and they could offer those types of benefits, you know? Nowadays, when you go into the, since the VC uh, companies entered and technology exploded, you know, VC venture capitals, capitalists usually don't care about the employee, right? And they say they do, but my experience has been the VC really doesn't care. It's about the bottom line and the investment, and they don't want to give extra money for employee development, right? They're in these early, 
you know, stage companies that are, you know, a million to $10 million in revenue, I tell my son, don't, that's not where you're going to go. <laughs> you're not going to win. You got to have, you know, a company that's going to want to invest. They're going to have the funds, right? Um, they have to be profitable, right? You, you know, you, so, you know, in some ways, employees, you got to look for the right company if you're looking to get those investments, right? Because the company has to have the money to do it and they have to have the, uh, you know, the ownership, the leadership belief that it's worth doing, right? That it's a critical value, right? To the, to the company. Uh, Cause if not, then honestly, it, you know, you're not going to get the coaching and development you need. Yeah. <clears throat> a lot of the coaching and developing that, uh, you know, I'm observing these days is centered around the deal and, you know, frontline managers and oftentimes the entire leadership chain of command can be myopically focused on the deal. What would you say to managers who over-index on that and are too focused on deals, deals, deals? Yeah, so the manager who's a super rep, right? You know, they, well, they don't have faith in their people to be able to manage and progress and close the deal. So they feel like they have to micromanage the deal, right? And therefore micromanage the rep, right? Um, and, you know, and a part of it, I think, is they don't, one, they, they don't know how to make the investment in people and they're not, you know, confident, right, in letting go, right? And letting somebody fail. They can't, mindset, they can't afford to lose a deal, right? Because I'm going to get fired versus sometimes when you lose the deal, the best lessons are learned right um for both the manager and the rep um so you know i i agree that a lot of a lot of managers over index on the deal right and they don't stop and think why is a deal stuck at this place right or what you know what what's the core behavior that hasn't happened right what's the action they didn't take right have you role played with the rep you know getting how to get it unstuck, right? Have you, you know, had him, you know, spend some time with the Eagle rep and say, Hey, he's stuck in all these places. This is what keeps happening. How do you overcome mm. them? Right. You know, it's like, so, you know, it's not, you know, it, it the good thing about sales is it's usually more, everybody's willing to help out, right? Everyone's willing to, a good Eagle's willing to share and brag about their successes. So you can get them to, you know, uh, open up and, and share that with the younger less. And they can see that again, like that Eagle isn't just an Eagle because they're good, but they also work hard at being good. Right. You know, and they have the techniques they've faced all the challenges that the young rep is facing. Right. But they've just tried and failed and figured out how to, you know, overcome that objection. Right. And that's why they always win. Right. And so a lot of it is just, you know, bringing people together, you know, and, and helping managers see that, you know, you got to develop the person. You can't just develop the deal. And, and, and the, that creates scale, right? I think is a, yeah. is a big part of what you're saying. And, you know, when, you know, I hear a lot, the, the Eagles who get to share what they've learned and what's made them successful, they get energy from that, which prompts them to yeah. stay longer in the organization, right? So it's, um, you know, it, it helps everybody. The rising tide lifts all boats, as they say. Hey, so Brian, let's pivot a little bit. Uh, let's learn a little bit more okay. about you, 
Let's learn more about Brian Caulfield. Um, you know, what you have strong opinions, um, you have strong processes. I think, you know, you've been, you haven't been to a lot of companies, but the ones that you have taken your leadership skills to, you've left it um, in, a, in a better place than, than you, when you joined it, which is a hallmark of a great leader. Uh, what's shaped your value system and your, um, you know, what did you learn along the way? Yeah, so, so thank you for that. For me, it, it started with just thinking about, honestly, I was, like, I was so maniacally focused on my career, you know, that I probably let some personal things go, you know, go untouched for years. Um, you know, when I started to have a family, I realized I, I need to be successful, right? I carried this burden, uh, you know, like I'm sure you and many other parents like it's like okay this isn't just about me anymore like i gotta figure out how i you know can feed three kids and you know have two cars and go on a vacation and prepare for college and that and that was my motivator my family and being a good provider was really the thing that kept me going when things sometimes felt hopeless or felt like i wasn't progressing i felt like i wasn't earning as much as i should right it, that to me it, everybody needs that there's some motivator that really drives you right and i learned that in my early 30s when i started a family and and it's it's has remained the number one thing that drives me today right um and so you know when what i've learned along the years though is i've definitely softened right people that have known me you know throughout my career you know i I have a i can it can be a, a my wife would say a curmudgeon at times, right? You know, I, I am opinionated. I have strong beliefs. You know, I have a strong work ethic. I expect that of everyone around me. And I get frustrated when, you know, the people around me don't care as much as I do and aren't working like I am. I've learned to soften my approach and adjust it, right, to um, with my teams and the different companies. Um, but I firmly believe at this point in my career, uh, the things I'm most proud of are, are the people I've developed, the people that have worked for me, the people that have gone on to be, you know, executives on their own right in their own companies, right? You know, that to me, I'm a, the, the proof of my value is some of them, right? You know, and, and some that are more successful than I am today, right? Um, and, you know, that to me, that's the reward Right. At, at some point in your career, you realize it's about the people. Right. It's about, you know, wor- you're working with everyone 10 hours a day. Right. Back in the days when we used to all be in an office. Right. You know, it was your family when you weren't with your family. Right. And I don't think I appreciated that earlier on in my career today. It's critical to me. It's like I don't you know, I don't want to work with a bunch of assholes. Right. I want to work with good people who care, have the same values right, and the same work ethic, you know, are, are achieving, working towards the same goals, right? To me, that's what's, that's what drives me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, you and I it came from a, a similar place where the, the mantra was always, yeah, how do you make money grow professionally and have fun, you know, being around like-minded people, people who had, you know, cared yeah. as much as you did and, and wanted, to, wanted to make a difference. So with, uh, with, with that being said, what drew you to Team Snap? And what does Team people, Snap do? The people. Yeah. Yeah. So Team Snap, we're, we're not too dissimilar from you. We are focused on coaches, right? Um, we just focus on coaches and youth sports. Um, it's been around for about 
12, 13 years, about 25 million people on our platform, uh, everything from coaches, parents, fans uh, that are trying to optimize their experiences around new sports, right? Um, we, um, I joined about two and a half years ago um, after an almost 10-year stint. Um, and um, that 10-year stint had three successful exits. Um, and But, you know, it was... It was time for me to to try something new, but honestly, I was waiting on the bench to see, you know, I, there were a couple really really strong leaders and colleagues that I was gonna, I knew I was going to go work with them again, right? Um, and so I, I got a call um, two and a half years ago from our current CEO Peter Francois. He said, "Hey, we're thinking about, you know, he'd gone to a private equity firm. We're thinking about buying up an asset in the youth sports market. Are you interested?" Um, and the, it was a no brainer because, you know, we have uh, somebody on our board who was my boss for nine years. I was able to bring with me a couple of really talented leaders, right. And we uh, amassed a really, really strong team, right. We also, you know, we've hired sense and we had retained a couple of really, really strong leaders. Right. And I feel now we, the thing that is lead to our success is we have a really strong leadership team. Right, um, that really enjoy working together and work really well together. We share the same values. Um, we're growing double digits year over year. Um, we've got, uh, and so it's, you know, it's uh, it's been one of the best decisions I've made in my career because I get to bring my business experience and, and acumen to a industry that, you know, uh, is my personal passion. Right, my three kids all athletes, um, played at competitive levels. Um, you know, and so I've been used, a user of team snap as a parent for a decade. Right. And all the uh, competitive products out there I was like, shit, I could bring to this industry, the discipline that SAS has and, and that I learned at places like Oracle, right. And bring a real professional, um, you know, selling model and go to market operations, Right, uh, there's a real chance we could knock this thing out of the park, and so far we have. Right, um, and, and combining passions too. Right, Com combining passions yeah. that that you have, and yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. And one of the themes that has emerged here in this conversation, I think, is that uh, people come to work for their reasons, not the company's reasons. And to the yep. extent that the manager or the coach can tap into what's important, right? You know, for, for you, it was your family very specifically, but it might not have been 10 years prior, you know, to when you started the family, like you had different priorities yeah. at, at that time. And so how do you, how does the manager uh, tap into that? One of the things that I remember recent, from a recent conversation with you, you said something along the lines of, you know, hey, I, I'm, I'm happy when we have to pay out a ton of money in commissions. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you remember saying that, but my sense is it wasn't uh, the first yeah. time you said it. What, what are you thinking there? Because I, I don't know that every, you know, there's a lot of uh, salespeople that'll listen to this and say, ah, I'm not sure that the companies that I've worked for always want to pay uh, a ton of money in commissions. Well, yeah, well, then they're working for the wrong company, right? And if, you know, the leadership team isn't excited when the top paid employee is a sales rep, right? I mean, that to me is something, you know, we should all strive for, right? That means you've got a really good product. You've got uh, a really good customer base, right? It, it, everything is working well, right? If you have a sales rep doing 200% of their number, crushing you know, their quota and paying out, you know, it also, it, there's, it's a win-win for the company. It's not like we're, 
losing money in that situation, right? right? I mean, we go through a very specific financial planning process every year, right? We model out, you know, the, what percentage is going to hit quota, what isn't, who might overachieve, right? So we've, we've planned for it, right, to a certain degree. Um, and it sends a great message to the rest of the employees. It's like, here's what's possible, right? You know, so, you know, celebrate, right, that this person, we don't probably, probably not smart to say, oh, this person just, you know, made a million dollars, right, you know, uh, selling, right? But, you know, when you see people that make that kind of money, right, being selling, you kind of wanted to get out. So people see what's possible, right? You know, it's, you watch that person, you, they're the best at what they do. There's no, you know, it's no accident that they're making that money, right? And as a company, great. You've over-delivered for us, right? You've proven our value proposition time and time again into the market, right? I have no problem celebrating that and paying you as much as you've earned. That's awesome. Hey, so curious your, your perspective on this. An, uh, let's just say a sales employee comes to work uh, f uh, in your company. They kick ass for three, four years, right? They do everything that was asked of them. They go above and beyond. You know, they were that B to A, uh, you know, person. Nobody wants them to leave, but they did end up leaving. They ended up leaving the right way. They gave notice and they took on some much bigger role than was available to them potentially at your company at that time. What is the manager? Yep. What, sh what should the manager do? What's the message to the rest of the team when that happens? So if they're really that good and, and eventually you're going to lose the good ones, the most important message I give that employee is know that you're welcome back, right? If it, if it doesn't work out, I get it. You've been with us. you got to try something bigger. I, we're sad to lose you right? You're great value. If it's not what you expected it to be in six months, call me, right? We'd welcome you back open arms, right? And that happens a lot, right? You know, especially, you know, with some earlier in their career folks, like, you know, the grass isn't always greener. And then they realize how good they have it. They come back and you're going to get 20% more productivity out of that person, right? Because now they're in a place they know, they're loved, they're trusted, they're, you know, they're respected, they're compensated fairly. Um, the, the hard, that's the hardest part for a manager, though, is like, I think managers are embarrassed by attrition. You know, I think there, there were points that's in right. my early career, I felt like I was, right? Like, shit, I failed when somebody quit, you know? And, you know, it took me a while to accept that that's just part of the profession, right? You know, People are, are going to leave you eventually, right? And the good ones, you got to let them go and wish them luck and hope me, hopefully maybe they come back better, right? Um, and, you know, not take it personally, right? You know, sometimes, like I said, hiring is hard, right? Finding the really strong people. People can interview, especially salespeople. They can interview really well, right? It may take you three That's months right. to figure out that they, you know, yeah, they tricked you, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, you're going to make mistakes, right? And don't hang on to them. Sometimes you got to push them out, right? Um, but, um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one for the manager, I think. T tough one indeed. And what's the message with, by the manager to the team that's still there? Right? Because, I mean, look, you could two ways, right? You yeah. could, you know, 
you know, good for, you know, this person, uh, they did everything here, they did all the right things. And now they're, you know, spreading their wings. It's a positive message, or they're absolutely positive, right. the other way. Yeah, if, it, if it's if it's a good employee, it's been around, I, I just, you, you can't speak poorly of them, right? You have to, you know, you have to respect it, right? And you have, you have to acknowledge the team, like, this is, this is, this sucks, we don't want to lose this person, right? But They've worked hard. They've earned the, ch the, the chance to go try something different if they want to. And I'm just going to support them, right? You know, and um, take it as a very positive thing, right? Usually the ones that are, are leaving and suck, the team already knows they suck, right? You know, you know the, right. the employees are know before I know sometimes when somebody's just not living up to the expectation of the role, right? And it frustrates the employees, right? That they're still here. So those ones you don't really have to talk much about. Most of the time they get it. The person left because mm -hmm. they just weren't, they didn't fit, you know? Well, so maybe story time a little bit here. I don't want to put any pressure on you, but you, you have these deeply rooted beliefs. You uh, are a big believer in coaching and investing in people You've demonstrated that for years in your successful career. Most of the time, it just doesn't fall out of the sky. You're, you don't inherit it. You, you, no. It was modeled to you. Tell, if so, tell us about a time where you were the, the benefactor, the recipient of some great coaching. Yeah, there's been a couple. Um, as I thought about coaching in anticipation of this conversation, I'm like, God, started running through my Rolodex in my head and thinking of all these great people over the years that maybe you didn't realize how impactful they were. I would go back to the earliest time. I was a gentleman, Richard Farlow, that I, I worked with my first job out of college. Uh, he was a seasoned sales executive. You know, what he taught me that I didn't realize a few years after was kind of the, the importance of planning, data, being prepared. You know, it was like, he told me that winning the sales happens before the pitch to the customer, right? And if, if you're not prepared, if you don't know what, who you're going to sell to, what you're trying to sell, if you're, you know, if you haven't thought through and role played, right, that, that meeting, you know, it's probably not going to go well, right? And so he was all about the preparation, the, you know, analyzing the customer and making sure we had our aces lined up to win before we even engage the customer sometimes, right? Um, and then, you know, probably the most influential was my um, gentleman, Lee Fuleri, who was my boss for you know, nine years at, at the company Intralinks I was at last. You know, he was the probably, I've always reached out for mentors and, and looked for advice from executives. He was the person that, um, you know, I had been going through three, four years. I'd churn, build up a sales model for a company, get it running and then go do it again because that was what that's what interested me right for about 10 years and then i realized i would, that was no longer that challenging or interesting for me that i wanted to learn more about running the business right and he you know i had these conversations with him and i told him what i was thinking about and he was great in saying you know here's what i think you could do really well here's what i think you should stay away from um and when opportunities came up for me to take on different parts of the business, he was willing to give me that chance, right? Um, and made a lot of mistakes and didn't all go as perfectly planned,
but he was always supportive and coaching and, you know, willing to talk through the good and the bad, right. And help me formulate my, you know, my career path. Right. And that turned into, you know, my first COO role, right. Of a $400 million software company with a global footprint. Right. I did some really uh, cool stuff. I built a massive operations center in Hyderabad, India from scratch, right. Um, to provide 24 seven services. I, you know, I traveled the world participating in different cultures and building sales and operations in uh, five continents. Right. And so, you know, he gave me those opportunities, right. And he coached me along the way, right. When it was, what I was going to be good at, what I wasn't, you know, let me try and fail and ultimately coached me towards the success I have today. All right. Well, the importance of mentors, I think, uh, you you agree can't yeah. be understated. Uh, so curious, uh, it's been a been a while. I remember years and years ago we got on the bike, uh, road bikes, and did the Pan Mass Challenge for, and raised money for cancer. I think I wiped I you out on a road on a road trip. Yeah, once, I was right? going to say what what I remember <laughs> that is uh, I remember I remember falling. I was just getting used to those clipped in pedals uh, b- back in the day. I, I don't know that I'm. I'm, I'm used to them now, but uh, I remember falling um, several times, uh, one of them at your hand. So, you know, thanks for that. Knock some sense into me. Sorry. What are you doing, Sorry, what, yeah, what are you doing for, that's uh, yeah, all right. What are you doing for fun outside of work these days? Uh, so, you know, I, I, weirdly, the, I spent most of the last decade or so with my kids. My kids are athletes, you know, coaching them you know, baseball, basketball, cheering them on, driving to tournaments, spend a lot of time with them. And as they're getting older, you know, they get their licenses. I don't need to drive them. I have too much time. And uh, when I was younger, I loved playing golf. Uh, this summer, I've gotten back into it and playing a lot of golf. And actually, my son just graduated from high school. Uh, he's going off to college at the end of August, but he picked up golf as well this summer and is obsessed with it. So it's we, he and I have been playing a lot. Um, it's it that's kind of my 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 fun right um the summer we'll see in winter time you know i like to get out and ski uh having grown up in the mountains in new hampshire you know uh, they always call back to me to get back up there and ski and stuff so that's you know you know my two daughters keep me pretty busy you know they they're uh you know three kids is it's a lot but it's a lot of fun yeah yeah, that fun in and of itself, uh, d- different types of fun at times, right? Sometimes it's type two fun instead of a uh, type one yeah. fun, but I, I, I can relate. So, um, look, any final thoughts, Brian, for those leaders out there that are grinding out every day, grinding it out, trying to, trying to figure out how to be that best coach, how to make an impact on the business, how to make an impact on others? Uh, yeah, I think that what took me too long to learn in my career is, you know, you're only as good as the people around you, right? Um, like even today, like I have the best leadership team I've ever had and ever worked with, right? I, it makes my job so much easier. It make, gives me the ability to, to focus, right, on, on different, more strategic aspects of our business. Um, and, and that's intentional, right? You know, intentionally find good people you work with, you know, develop them, invest in them, bring them with you, right? When when it's time to, to take on a new adventure, right? It, it's really, really hard to hire good all the time, right? You get somebody good, keep them close, invest in them, trust, train them, trust them, 
right? Let them make mistakes, you know, uh, let them learn, right? And that's the key, right? You know, I wish I knew it early in my career, right? Um, you know, there was a selfishness, I think, to everybody when they're young and trying to break in and, you know, a competitiveness that says, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be better than that person. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, destroy them. The reality is success comes from being around good people, right? Learning from the best, playing with the best, you know, lifelong relationships I've had, you know, with people that I would go to battle with any day, right? Um, but a long, long tail of people I've worked with that, you know, you see, you know, you get the call, hey, Brian, I'm looking for a job. And it's like, I'm not <laughs> returning that call. Every, every couple of years, right? Uh, hey, I know we haven't every, talked in exactly. a while. Yeah. yeah. So that to me, this thing is like, you know, think about the people you're working with. That's the key to success and surround yourself with great people. It, it, in, you you bring up uh, an interesting point, and I, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but the whole notion of nurturing those relationships over time, and that concept of your network is your net worth, and not just calling people when you need something. Just quick thoughts on that. Yeah, just popped into my head based on what you just said. Yeah, I, and I don't think I'm very good at maintaining my network, right? It's one of the areas that's tough for me. As a sales executive and a COO, like I'm an introvert naturally, right? And so that, you know, that networking, social outreach and stuff has always been really hard for me, right? Um, and so, you know, I, I'm then therefore intentional on trying to figure out the ones that really matter, right? The, the ones that I, mm -hmm. you know, not just self-serving, but, you know, like the people I also had fun with, Right, you know, that I still want to yeah. keep in touch with. Right, um, you know, Dave Phillips, my, you know, my first boss at, at Oracle. Right, you know, we still run into each other. We still touch base, you know, from time to time. Um, and, and so, to me, it's not easy, but it's critical. Right, and if it's not easy for you, make sure you just you, know, you think about who are the ones that have had the most impact, and you know, you, you want to participate in their success and understand, learn from them. Those are the ones that I try the hardest to, to keep in touch with, right? But it's a gift, right? Some people can be really, really good at networking and, and, you know, always have to find the time to stay in touch with everybody. It's, it's really critical. It's just, it's hard to do. Um, but when I feel like the ones that have mattered, I, I, I still could pick up a phone and it'd be just like we were working together yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a, that's a that's a gift, right? That's a and a blessing. Um, so, yeah. look, learned a, learned a ton. Really, really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, I loved the way you connected coaching with the attrition and the scale and the success of the company. Uh, the importance of investing yourself. I love the quote: um, if, "If you're not going to invest in yourself, why should I invest in you?" Um, learning from failure, the role of mentors, and the importance of surrounding yourself with with great people, with people who lift you up and make, and make you want to reach higher and higher. So a lot of great nuggets in the conversation. Um, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure a lot of other people uh, have taken a lot and will take a lot from this. Uh, if they wanted to get in touch with you because that sounds like Team Snap's a great company or, you know, hey, I, haven't, I, I remember working with Brian and, you know, he's had an impact on me. How can people get in touch with you these days? Yeah, uh, it's it's simple. My my email is brian.caulfield at uh, teamsnap, 
Khan. Um, you know, happy to re-engage or offer any nuggets of wisdom that, that I can to, to folks. Um, we are always hiring. We're rapidly growing. So, you know, and I feel like we've got a really good environment for um, young sales people that want to get into the, you know, the SaaS world. Uh, it's a fun space. So, you know, we've got always have jobs posted, reach out through LinkedIn, whatever it takes, you know, it's uh, always looking for good people to join the, you know, the family. Looking for good people to join the family. We'll leave it right there. Uh, thank you, Brian. Really enjoyed the conversation today. Thank you, Matt. Great catching up. Really appreciate your time. And thanks to all of you out there for listening. If you learned something today, you laughed, you enjoyed the, the show, tell someone about this podcast, Coach to Scale. Again, Brian, thank you. And it's been my pleasure to host this conversation on behalf of Coach to Scale. Until next time, coach them if you want to keep them. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Coach to Scale, How Modern Leaders Build Coaching Cultures. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at coachem.io. That's C-O-A-C-H-E-M dot I-O. And follow us on Twitter at Coachem Now. See you all next week. Thanks for joining. And remember, coach them if you want to keep them.